Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Driven by Cause. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Ariva and Microsoft, as the industry's only completely integrated and fully automated all-in-one digital fundraising, donor relationship management, healthcare hospitality, and auction software platform. I'd like to give a warm hello to my fantastic co-host, Jay Fisk. Jay, how are you today? As always, David, I am doing great. It's great to be here. How are you? Uh, thank you, Jay. I'm doing great, too. I'm actually doing awesome. All and right. it's great to be here today and introduce our fabulous guest, Michael Thatcher. Michael is the president and CEO of Charity Navigator. By the way, we're big fans. With his passion for making impactful philanthropy easier, he has grown the company from a rating 8,000 organizations to now rating over 200,000 nonprofits. Prior to joining Charity Navigator, Michael spent more than 15 years with Microsoft, the last 10 of which as their public sector chief technology officer, responsible for technology policy initiatives and engagements with governments and academic leaders in Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. Thank you for being here today, Michael. David and Jay, thank you for having me. Really happy to be a part of this. It's great to have you here, and let's get started. Michael. Can you share with our listeners some information about yourself and who is Michael Thatcher? I think I was thinking about this. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, my mom used to say to me that I, I couldn't have my cake and eat it, too. <laughs> and I've spent most of my life trying to prove her wrong in the sense that um, and I think that's I'm telling you that more because. I've gotten involved with technology as a means for creating the change that I want to see in the world. And ultimately, I couldn't pick an area that I wanted to focus on with regard to social change. If you look back prior to Charity Navigator, I was at Microsoft working with public sector in a lot of different geographies of the world. And it was always looking at economic, social change, improved healthcare, improved education. Um, and needless to say, Charity Navigator has given me the opportunity to focus on really trying to improve where, or let's say, have the dollars arrive at more effective organizations so that we actually achieve systemic change across a wide variety of different things. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit of an odd thing to get excited about, but it's something I get super excited about. Yeah. Well, you worked at Microsoft for 15 years, and 10 of those were as the public sector chief technology officer and you're responsible for technology policy initiatives engagements with governments and academic leaders in asia middle east africa and you made the switch to become ceo uh, and president of charity navigator uh, share with us if you wouldn't mind what uh, what was the impetus to make that jump to the nonprofit industry and and uh, what you hope to achieve going forward in that role and what you've achieved so far sure i think um Sort of roll it back to the first job, the first real work I did as a as a young adult was running an arts organization with the woman who became my wife. And we ran that organization for 10 years. We were successful from an artistic uh, and creative perspective. We were not financially successful. And so I got into software development and that was what eventually led me to Microsoft. Uh, fast forward. 30 years, um, 
my wife gets sick and passes away in 2013. Uh, we had a you know hard run with cancer, and my life was turned into complete turmoil. Yeah. And at that point, I chose to leave Microsoft, tried to really think about where do I want to spend my time and energy, and really quite serendipitously, the opportunity at Charity Navigator presented itself. Um, a, a person whose board of directors I had become a part of flagged the opportunity for me, and um, I was living at Singapore in Singapore at the time and decided it's time to go home. It was time to take on something that was fully focused on things that I really cared about. Thank you. Well, for sharing that. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, Michael. And uh, I'm glad you went, got back on the track and things are great. And, you know, as the now president and CEO, you've described one of your organization's missions as democratizing philanthropy. Can you elaborate and define this idea and then share some success stories where you've seen this happen? Sure. And I think the ultimately Charity Navigator was created to provide a resource to every man and woman in the United States and the world, for that matter, to help them differentiate between good and, and better uh, charities that are that are doing the work. And one of our founding principles was never charge the charity, never charge the donor. So that in and of itself has a democratizing element because there's no barrier to entry as a charity. There's also no barrier for the donors. Ultimately, our goal is we don't care whether you have $5 or $5 million to give away. We're going to try and give you the best information we can across the widest variety of nonprofits to, to make a difference in your giving. Mm -hmm. So some examples of where that actually shows up. Um, charity Navigator has roughly about 12 million unique um, users to our site annually. So these are it's a lot of people coming to just make donations via, via our website. We ourselves are also a charity, so we're supported by those donors. And over 80% of our revenue is coming from donations averaging about $50. So part of that is basically saying we are valuable to a huge number of people and they and those people are actually keeping us um, in business and doing the work that we do. Yeah. We're trying to do that same thing for a multitude of other organizations so that every every individual has access to the right information to make smart giving decisions. You've rated 200,000 nonprofits. So having had the opportunity to work with so many different causes and missions, I'm there, you know, obviously everything from A to Z here, what's the biggest challenge you see organizations face today? Uh, and additionally, what do you see as a future for the nonprofit industry as a whole? I'll approach this more from the evaluator's perspective, but I think the, the key challenge that many organizations have is sustainability. If you look at what's happened over the last three or four years with the, just the, you know, the pandemic, the current uh, economic uncertainty, rise in interest rates, things like that, this has a this has an effect on the nonprofit sector. So the sector's ability to continue to generate revenue off of the kindness of the hearts of a wide variety of individuals, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty much a constant challenge. The other is, I think charities, and, and this is something we've been working on with our ratings, is moving from 
looking at what are, let's say, easy data points to measure. So take something like overhead yeah. and moving towards actually rating something that's more interesting, which is the actual outcomes or the impact of the organizations. Okay. So that is a challenge for charities because they don't necessarily, they don't have act, they may not actually have be held accountable to the right set of metrics or they're being over overburdened with reporting right now. And so I think streamlining the data requirements is something that's going to be a huge asset to the sector and a current pain point that um, isn't going away. Would you elaborate a little bit on this on the rating system? Uh, what you you know what the your rating uh, your rating organizations and what do you feel it yields by rating them? What are the best results to help donors decide where to make their contributions? You touched on it there a little bit. Some sure. of the uh, you know beyond the financial, but. If you could drill down on that a little bit for us, we'd appreciate it. Sure. So today, Charity Navigator rates, you know, roughly 200,000 organizations. We're doing that across four key areas. And we call these beacons. We're staying in our sort of navigation uh, motif. Um, the um, kind of the backbone of the of the rating is the data that we get from the IRS uh, tax forms or, you know, the IRS Form 990. That allows right. us to just pull in basic information the fact that nonprofits e-file is what's allowed us to scale significantly, as well as just Im improved automation on our side. Yeah. That's giving us basic financial information and uh, what we call accountability or transparency information on some of the governance practices that are reported on the tax forms. Um, we're also we're also trying to what we're really trying to do is provide a holistic. Um, evaluation of organizational health and capability, as well as where possible impact and results. Mm. So part of organizational health is leadership, right? If you think about this from an investment perspective, you wanna know that there's a, there's a good product, there's a good plan, and there's actually leadership that they know what they're doing and they, can, they, they have a theory of change and they're getting things done. So we're collecting information around leadership and adaptability of organizations. We're also looking at uh, what we're calling culture and community, which is uh, today looking at two things. One is what are the feedback practices uh, organizations utilize in their program service delivery? So this is a bit of a sidebar, but it, it's important. Mm -hmm. There's a disconnect between the consumer of a nonprofit service and the actual receiver of that service. So you're a donor, you give money to a food bank, you're not the person eating the food that's coming out of that food bank. Right. That disconnect is one of the ways that we work to solve that disconnect is by actually figuring out, getting feedback from the recipients or what we call constituent voice or beneficiary feedback. And or there are a lot of organizations you'd be surprised that don't actually listen to the people they serve. Big problem, right? Um, so we're we're trying to encourage that behavior. Uh, another element that goes into the culture and community beacon is internal equity practices within an organization. So how they take care of their own people. Yeah, and and that is something that is a very top of mind for donors today. And then finally, and probably most important, is looking at impact. And the way we're looking at impact today is in a what we're calling a cost per outcome analysis. And 
This is limited. We're not able to do this for all organizations, but the way we're bringing this online right now is you have a known outcome. As an example, let's take cataract surgery. And we know the outcome there is the preservation of eyesight. We also have really good academic data showing that this intervention works. We can fact, we can sort of determine an average cost right. and we can factor out other potential differentials that would be size of organization, geography of engagement. And we take the outcome as a given standard and then we can differentiate cost per outcome as compared between one organization and another organization triangulated against the baseline. And then also even factoring in a, um, a hypothetical counterfactual of what would happen if the intervention hadn't existed. It's a bit of a mouthful, but basically that's giving us the, it's giving us a baseline within specific known interventions. So right now we're, we're getting close to about 50 program service interventions that we're working with. And I would say, I think our count is roughly about 1500 charities have an impact uh, and results score in their, in their rating. Michael, I know this is difficult to measure all nonprofits effectiveness, partially because not all factors can be measured, right? Mm -hmm. As an example of this, would, would it, would it be a nonprofit's overhead rates? You mentioned that in particular, how much they spend helping their clients versus how much they spend on infrastructure. However, the more nonprofits spend on infrastructure could yield a lower rating from the organization such as yours, hence causing them to cut back on the money that would be invested towards their growth. Can you share your thoughts on this? And if you believe there's a better way to overhead? Sure. So first of all, I mean, overhead is, it's one of those uh, slippery metrics, right? It, it yeah. gives you a sense that things are going the right direction, right? If I say 70% of my money is going towards program service delivery, I should feel good about that. The, the reality is that it tells you absolutely nothing about the effectiveness of the organization. So that that's one element. The other is if you think about infrastructure investments, infrastructure investments have a multitude of different potential outcomes. If I'm investing in an inf some infrastructure that's actually gonna improve my service delivery, that is not an overhead cost. That is actually an investment in my program expense. On, on the flip side, if I'm bringing on um, a CRM system that's telling me about my donors, or I'm bringing on an HR system or, back-end finance systems, that is considered overhead. Now, it's also, so is investing in your people. And ultimately, what has happened in, in the world, and Charity Navigator was very much a part of this uh, for the years, we have categorically changed our approach to overhead right now. We still have, it's one metric out of several. We do look at it, we look at it more as a, just a validation point. For example, if you're spending more than 50% of your revenue on overhead costs, that's problematic, right? There's, or it needs explanation. And, and it's um, problematic, probably too strong a statement, but it, you need to be able to clarify that to your donors. You need to explain why are we doing this? For how long are we doing this? What is the intended outcome of that? But clearly, 
you know, where the money gets spent doesn't tell you what the money does. I, yeah, just just as a sidebar here, I'm kind of curious. In the auction world where I consult, sometimes I get clients that think because they've got something donated as a service, there was no value to it. And I, what I mean by that is that at their event, they might get the the wine donated for everybody. They may think that they, the sound system is donated. They, you know, the lighting and, and decorations and staging are all donated. They don't put that into their budget. And so when they look at their actual event budget, they go, oh, we did really good. You know, we made, uh, you know, we, we, we had a 90%, uh, you know, yield on our, on our event. But had they paid for those services, their net to gross, you know, might've been more like 60, 40, might've had 40% expense because they never accounted for the things that they would have otherwise had to pay for because they got them donated. They may not get them donated every year. They got them donated one year. So I guess in, in evaluating, I'm re- trying to relate this to what you do at Charity Navigator, in, in evaluating a, a potential nonprofit, do you factor in things that they might get that are that are donated services that they don't have to pay for in their overhead, but are still of real value and things that they may not get year after that after year. How does that how does that play in, or or do you play that in at all? I mean, you're asking a great question, and and um, one of the one of the areas where we're trying to ensure that we're not sort of excluding organizations with donated services. Donated services are hard to evaluate. And unfortunately, there've been a, there've been a couple of situations where the valuations haven't always been accurate, and that's created some just challenges with you know let's say attorney generals going after nonprofits for misevaluations. You have volunteer soccer coaches, and you're evaluating their time as if they were uh, surgeons and things like that. And so that's that's sort of the, the the negative of that. Ultimately, our challenge, and this goes back to the data piece. I've got a, you know, we're rating 200,000 organizations. I'm doing that with a team of 30 people. Yeah. We're not able to do that, that much sort of valuations at the individual level that would answer that particular question. So what that means is Charity Navigator is giving you directionality. And, and then when, if you want to dig into that, that, that type of a nuance, you're going to have to do that, um, Right. You have to do that manually yourself. Um, it's something there are a lot of people that'll do it for you, but it's not something it's out of scope for us at this point in time. Well, you mentioned that you've got uh, your your team, uh, you've grown your team and you've grown obviously from 8,000 charities to 200,000 uh, charities that, that you're evaluating, nonprofits that, that you're evaluating. Can you share what you envision uh, as future for your organization? Where's this thing going uh, five, 10 years from now? Sure. I mean, so go back to where I was when I discovered the opportunity with Charity Navigator. I was living overseas. I'd spent the last 10 years of my life living overseas. I saw Charity Navigator back then, you know, eight years ago as a, I was, wow, this is a, this is an ISO standard. This is something that could really go broad and have applicability anywhere in the world. I've been, uh, severely humbled since that time. Um, Just sort of the reality of the world that we're living in and seeing that. And also, again, it goes back to the data piece. The US has a system that works the way it does because of open documents with the tax forms from the the charities. Mm -hmm. That is not the case internationally. But to answer your question, I do see international um, potential with what we're doing. Ultimately, what I'm seeing is that we have more complete coverage 
even though we're covering 200,000 organizations, there are more. I also, a big part of our journey right now is, um, it's in two, two, two areas. One is there's an equity piece in what we're working on with regard to the database of rated organizations. So 20 years ago when we started, we were rating the biggest, most popular charities in the United States. Today, we are we have vastly in, in, increased that number so that we're also rating a lot of small organizations. There are about 50,000 charities that we rate today that are with budgets of about $250,000. Yeah. So creating a more sort of equitable mix of large and small, all the different types and sizes of organizations. And then if you go back to the beacon structure, filling out that beacon structure so that you really do have a holistic rating and not just the information that we're getting from the IRS, but we're getting all this other richer data set. Yeah. And ultimately, with the goal being of just making impactful uh, giving easier for everyone. You know, we've talked a lot about your your work. Um, I'd be curious to know, what's something about you might that might surprise our audience to find out? I'll give you two things. One is probably more publicly known than the other, but the the one is that, um, you know, I said I was running an arts organization. I was a professional dancer and I have a degree in music. And so I really, that was um, a huge part of my life uh, working in the arts. And um, the other is that I'm currently and have been my entire life since I was about five years old, an avid surfer. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Where do you surf? Um, I live and surf at Montauk um, in uh, East End of Long Island in New York. Wow. Oh, darn. Yeah. I grew up in California. I didn't realize that anywhere else in the world had surfers besides Southern California. So I. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got great surf out in California. I, um, we don't have the consistency, but we do get some good surf here. I, yeah, I love it. Yeah. That's great. Well, we always like to finish a show by asking one question What is something that we didn't ask you that we wish we had? What's the best way to think about giving? You know, if I were to say, I think about, you know, when I try and people ask me, I often get the question, what's the best charity, which needless to say, I, I don't answer that question because it's just too many, but it's, for me, it's uh, at the end of the day, giving is it's, it's about, you know, causes that we care about. They grab us by the heart. They basically tell you, go do something about this. Yeah. So follow your heart, listen to that, but then use your head and actually do a little bit of, do a little bit of research so that when you actually do make a donation or you decide to volunteer or you engage in some way or another around that particular cause, you actually make a difference in the world. Michael, that was awesome. I, I hope everybody has the same passion and belief in how, how we go about that. That was really yeah. great. Thank you for that. And we'll be right back after this. We are a team that has had an enduring influence on the nonprofit industry for more than three decades. We pride ourselves on developing and delivering technology with a purpose, software born of a genuine understanding and passion for cause. We are relentlessly dedicated to our client's success. We are with our clients for good. We are Ariva, tech with purpose, driven by cause. 
Ariva is the trusted advisor and market leader of fundraising, donor relationship management, and auction software and services. Exceed further, our evolutionary all-in-one digital fundraising and donor relationship management software is helping nonprofits worldwide further their mission, transform fundraising, and cultivate relationships with donors and constituents. Our Maestro Auction virtual, live, and silent auction software, text-to-bid, virtual and mobile bidding software, and text-to-fund, text-based donation software are helping nonprofits raise billions of dollars through thousands of virtual fundraising events, charity auctions, and galas. Visit Ariva.com and reach out today and see how Ariva can help your nonprofit organization go further. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's time for, for our Ask the Maestro segment, where we answer questions submitted by our listeners. Jay, what question do you have for us today? Well, David, uh, this question comes from Gene, and uh, we're going to let Michael take a take a shot at this answer if he's willing. Uh, the question is, when writing a case for support, what are the most important accomplishments to include? I think the most important accomplishments to include would be relevant experiences related to that case for support. So how show how I I can get this done, even if I've never done it before, because mm -hmm. I have a parallel experience. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. That's, you know, each time we have a guest on the podcast, we always put our guest on the spot and have them answer the question. We always get great, great, uh, great answers. Thanks for that, Jay. Right. Michael, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Just really great. Uh, as I said, we're really big supporters. Excellent. Well, David and Jay, thank you very much for having me. We also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. And as always, we want to thank our fantastic sponsors, Ariva and Microsoft. Make sure you stay tuned for the next episode of Driven by Cause by hitting that subscribe button. Make it a great day.